Well, this is Holy Week, and most churches, including our own, usually hold a Monday, Thursday, or a Good Friday service to remember the Last Supper and to contemplate the suffering of, of Christ. And this really helps us to truly celebrate the resurrection at Easter when we've reflected on the price that Jesus has paid for us. But this year is different uh, because of our social isolation, and so we wanted to offer an online message that will hopefully serve the same purpose, and we'll also finish our current series of Words from the Cross. And if you've been following along through these final words, you may have noticed that there's one word remaining, and it's found only in the Gospel of Luke. And so hear this final word from Luke chapter 23, verses 44 through 46. It says, It was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, for the sun stopped shining, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he had said this, he breathed his last. This was Jesus' final prayer to God, and as we've seen in this series, several of Jesus' final words were actually prayers. Uh, There was his first word, if you remember, Father, forgive them. Uh, Then there was his cry for mercy, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And now there's this final prayer, into your hands I commit my spirit. Not only was this a prayer to God, like many of Jesus' other final words and prayers, it was also a quotation of scripture. It was taken from Psalm 31, verses 1 through 5. And so let's read that. Psalm 31, 1 through 5, it says, In you, Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness. Turn your ear to me. Come quickly to my rescue. Be my rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me. Since you are my rock and my fortress, for the sake of your name, lead and guide me. Keep me free from the trap that is set for me, for you are my refuge. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Deliver me, Lord, my faithful God. And so looking at Jesus' words in the context of this psalm, we see that it's not Jesus giving up, but once again, giving himself over to his Father. It's a prayer of faith and trust in God. And so even in this moment of death, Jesus is looking to God to be his rock of refuge and a strong fortress to save. It's a final prayer of complete and utter faith in God his Father. And so uh, there are many who believe that Psalm 31 uh, in its day was a nightly prayer taught to children by their parents, uh, much the same way that we might teach our children to pray, now I lay me down to sleep. Uh, I pray my Lord uh, my soul to keep. And in my opinion, Psalm 31 is a much better prayer uh, to be teaching our children than that prayer. Um, but many believe that it was a prayer taught to children. And so if that is, that is true, in this moment of incredible pain and anguish, Jesus is holding on to the most basic foundation of his faith, simple truth that he had learned as a child. You know, after my college years, uh, I spent a year working at a care facility, and I was responsible at that time for an entire floor of patients. And Each one of the patients had a different kind of disability, and there were several among them who had Alzheimer's disease, and they were struggling with memory types of loss and issues. And 
it was amazing to see that while these people, their memories may have deteriorated, the basic truths that they learned as children still remained. For example, when we would gather for worship services, the people uh, couldn't always focus on the message or the sermon, but they could all sing, Jesus loves me. They could all sing that. And, And many of the scriptures that I read seemed to just pass right by them, but when I read Psalm 23, many of them would say it along with me, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Just confirming that we remember the basic truths that were taught as children. We remember those simple prayers we said at bedtime or at mealtime. And the same, I believe, is true with Jesus. He remembered the simple prayers that Mary and Joseph had taught him as a child. And so in this, his darkest moment, this is what he prayed. Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Well, this might be a simple prayer of faith, but it's also a powerful prayer because Jesus is teaching us that in our darkest moments, we can continue to trust God. When everything seems dark and hopeless, we can trust God. When we're facing the reality of our own sin and sorrow, our fears, our failures, we can place our lives into the hands of God. You know, I've gotten some messages these last few weeks, and I've had some conversations with different people, and uh, these folks have been just brutally honest with me. They're struggling. Uh, they're uncertain. Their lives have been put on hold. Their schedules have been canceled, and they're, they're having some anxiety about the future. But at the same time, they're talking to me about it because they're striving to do what I believe Jesus did in this moment on the cross, and that is to put their hearts and their lives into the hands of God. And that encourages me. That inspires me. It fills me with hope because while we're a broken people, we are a broken people of faith who trust God in the darkness of our own lives. And while it's true that we're sinners, we're sinners who seek forgiveness every day we too pray, Father, into your hands we commit our spirits. So be encouraged. When we face challenges of sickness or sin, we pray, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When we face what seemed to be an impossible situation or an insurmountable obstacle, we pray, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When things at work or home or in relationships are out of our control, we pray, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And so right now, I want to invite you to do just that. Uh, I want to invite you to close your eyes, and I want you to think about uh, either the sin that seems too strong to overcome or the problems that you seem to have no answer for or any kind of desperate situation that doesn't have or seem to have a hopeful outcome. And in this time of silence, I want to invite you to reflect on those things, to put them into your hands, and then after a few moments, I'm going to invite you to pray the same prayer that Jesus prays. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Amen. Now, this wasn't just a prayer of Jesus at the end of his life. This was a statement of how Jesus had lived his life. I want to take you back uh, to the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. And if you know that story, Jesus is taken into the wilderness, and he fasts for 40 days, and then he's tempted by Satan. And when Satan tempts Jesus, he, he 
he tempts him to follow his own path instead of the path of God. Um, if you remember, Jesus tempted Jesus to turn stones to bread in order to meet his own physical needs. And then he tempted Jesus to test God's love for him by jumping off the pinnacle of the temple and allowing angels to catch him. And then he tempted Jesus to turn away from his father to gain all the wealth and the power and the glory of this world. And every time, Jesus said, no. And what Jesus was doing in the wilderness was placing his life into the hands of God. In essence, in that time, Jesus was praying, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. He was saying, God, I'm going to live my life your way for your glory in your timing according to your will. And that's exactly what Jesus did during his life. It was a reflection of his life. Jesus' life was a reflection of God's love and his mercy. And nowhere was that more clearly seen than in the work of Jesus' hands in the 24 hours before he died. About 24 hours earlier, Jesus was celebrating the Passover with his disciples. What did he do with his hands in that time? Well, Jesus' hands washed the feet of his disciples. Jesus took the form of a household servant and he willingly washed the dirty, smelly feet of his friends. And so what the hands of Jesus are doing there is just a reflection of God's hands. God picks us up out of the mud of our lives and he cleans us off. Let's take a look at Psalm chapter 40, verses 1 and 2. It says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. So out of the mud and the filth of our own lives, God lifts us up and he cleans us off. And so Jesus' hands are reflecting the very hands of God. And then later he says that they're also setting an example. Because to his followers, Jesus said, I have set for you an example that you should do as I do. Well, Jesus washes the feet of his disciples, and he does that to show them how he wanted them to serve and love each other. He washes the feet of his disciples to show us how he wants us to serve and love each other with our hands. And so, who is it that is in need of our hands to help lift them up today? Who needs our hands to help clean them off? Who needs our love to help them know the value and the worth that God sees in them? Well, Jesus' hands didn't just wash the disciples' feet that night. His hands then served the disciples the Passover meal, and he offered to them the bread and the wine. Now, normally on Monday, Thursday, we would take communion together as Jesus did with his disciples. And I would really enjoy doing that. But we can't because we're separated in this time. But I'm going to ask you to do something that I think is possibly better. I want you to imagine that you're in the same room as Jesus and his disciples. Enter into that. Kyle Eidelman, in a video series called The Easter Experience, tries to depict or imagine what that scene looked like. And so I'd like us to watch a two-minute clip from that, uh, provided by Right Now Media, and try to enter into this story of Jesus and his disciples observing the Last Supper. 
And as the night went on, Jesus continued to point to this life of service for his disciples. The Jewish Passover meal was a beautiful ritual. Specific foods and glasses of wine were used to paint a picture of that ancient sacrifice in Egypt, reminding them of how God allowed the blood of an innocent lamb to shield them from judgment and free them from bondage. But as their meal was ending, Jesus changed the script, and he used the sacred Passover symbols to predict what would be his greatest act of service. Take this, all of you, and eat. This is my body, broken for you. Take this and drink. This is my blood. A new covenant between God and his people. It will be poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. As the bread and the cup made their way around the table, what must the disciples have thought? And what does this mean that his body is given for me? That his blood is poured out as a sacrifice? Is Jesus equating himself with the Passover lamb? Scripture gives us no reason to believe that the disciples grasped what he was trying to tell them. But within 24 hours, Jesus would be dead. And perhaps then they began to understand. Jesus' hands lifted up the bread and then the cup. Jesus' hands shared the bread and the cup with his friends. And when Jesus calls us to remember him in this meal, it's a call to actually live that out, uh, how he lived his life. Because the word remember here doesn't just mean to think about what Jesus did or recall in our minds his actions. It means to literally attach ourselves to Jesus or live the way he lived. Most often when we think about communion, we think about it as an opportunity to receive the grace and the mercy of God through the presence of the Holy Spirit. And it certainly is that. But it's also a meal where we commit ourselves once again to following the example of Jesus. So when we receive from the hands of Jesus the bread and the cup, we're making a statement that we will allow our hands to serve those who are hungry and thirsty. So will we allow our hands and our lives to do this? Will we give to those who are in need? Well, after Jesus' hands had washed the disciples' feet, after he had served the Passover meal, we see his hands also come together in prayer. Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane that the cup of suffering might pass from him. Jesus knew that he was being betrayed and that a trial was coming. He knew that he would be condemned to die, and so he asked God if there could be another way. His hands reached out to God, and he pleaded for another way. Any other way, but in the end, 
those hands were raised in surrender. They submitted to God's will and his purpose. But once again, we see that Jesus' hands aren't just praying, they're setting an example for you and I. Jesus specifically asked his disciples to pray with him. He wanted them lifting their hands to God with him and for him. He wanted them to watch and pray with him. And they may have failed miserably at that, but he wanted them to do that. And Jesus still wants our hands working in prayer. He wants us to pray for the things that break the heart of God. He wants us to pray for those who are weak and in need and those who are hopeless and living in despair. He wants us to pray for the strength to help change our world. But ultimately, God wants us to submit our hands to his will and his purpose, to pray as Jesus did in the garden, thy will be done. It means that we're willing to surrender our will and offer it up to God. And so to do that, we have to let go of our will, our desire, our need to be in control so that we can take on God's will and take it up. Now, I know this is a difficult prayer, but it's the prayer that Jesus calls us to pray. Not my will, but thy will be done. And then the very last thing we see the hands of Jesus do, of course, is to carry his cross. Jesus takes his hands, he picks up the heart and the splintered wood of a cross, and he carries it to Golgotha. Once they arrive, Jesus' hands are then laid out on a cross, and nails are driven through them. And so Jesus' hands makes the ultimate sacrifice. They give everything they have for the life and the salvation of others. Again, these hands of Jesus not only reflect the hands of God, but they set for us an example. Jesus said, if anyone wants to follow me, then let him take up his cross. And so if we want to follow Jesus, we have to be willing to pick up our cross. Our hands have to be willing to give and sacrifice and serve and reach out to others in an effort to bring them life and salvation. The hands of Jesus in his last 24 hours reveal to us the hands of God. They lift us up and they wash us clean. They serve us and offer us food and drink. They pray for us and they die for us so that we might be forgiven and so that we might live forever. Those are the hands of God reflected in Jesus. And then he commits his hands into the hands of God. And when he does that, he's saying to all of us, this is the way to live your life. This is the way to use your hands. So the final word of Jesus, it isn't only a prayer that Jesus may have learned as a child. It isn't just a quotation of scripture or a final reminder that Jesus placed his entire life faithfully in the hands of God. It's also a call for us as followers of Jesus to place our hearts and our lives and the work of our hands into the hands of God. And so I want to invite you to do that today, to commit your heart and your life to God and to commit your hands to the work of Jesus' hands. And to do that because, friends, there is coming a day of celebration. After the winter, there comes the celebration of new life in spring. After this Holy Week, we're going to celebrate Easter with our families. 
after COVID-19 and this whole social isolation is over, we will celebrate. After our current sickness and pain, we will celebrate the healing touch of God. And after our lives end here on earth, we will celebrate new life with the Savior and the Messiah. And so be encouraged. The celebrations are yet to come. But we aren't there yet. Right now, we're in a time of struggle and waiting. And so in that time, please join with me in praying the prayer of Jesus. Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Amen.